Welcome to the Catastrophe, where we meander through politics, pop culture, church, and society to consider true human ends and how life may be enchanted. My name is Joel. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Dave Taylor. And I wanted to begin in a slightly different way at the moment um, with this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That, of course, is the opening of the Gospel of John, which we will come back to in a moment. But spoiler alert, yes, in fact, we're Christians. (laughs) That's that, that Bible thing that people keep <laughs> talking about. It's like it's like that Han Solo moment in Force Awakens, you know, he's like, Jedi, the Force, the Sith, all of it. It's true. Anyway, um, Dave, I actually wanted to begin. We're going to come back to that because this is what we're going to be talking to today. So I wanted to um, open with that. But before we get there, Dave, it is the beginning of summer. It has come upon us. And uh, I wanted you to share with us your tips for keeping that summer bod. <laughs> I have just recently started exercising again ah. after after a horrible few months. Ah, it, I saw sh- it shows. <laughs> Thank you. I saw some. I was recently um, involved in organizing a big event where there's lots of photos being taken, and I saw a few photos of myself. I was like, "Oh gosh, what ha- what happened this year?" Um, but uh, planks are good, and um, planks, yeah. I do a I do a cycle of a one minute plank and then ten push ups and then uh, ten squats and then yeah. up the stairs and down the stairs three times yeah. and then repeat. We actually have a photo of Ambrose's baptism because David and Sarah are godparents to Ambrose, and the most prominent feature in that photo is like you you and me in our guts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was peak. That was before I'd started my uh, couch to five k and stuff like I that. I started going to the physio again because oh, yeah. I messed up neck and head and blah, blah, blah. And she made me do this exercise where I have to lie on my stomach and pull my shoulders back and my arms and hold weights in them. Yep. And I was shaking like a leaf. <laughs> Just unbearable stuff. Sarah made me do this um like I think it was like a physio Pilates like video just about how do you activate your core. And it was and uh uh and just the process of like Literally, just for a moment, <laughs> trying to make my core like activate. This and, is sounding like this is sounding like Iron Man. I, I just, I always, I was quivering. I always fell over, <laughs> like it was terrible. So anyway, yeah, we are basically listening to two old men at the moment <laughs> talking about their bodies falling apart. Yeah. and this sort of, I guess, could be connected to what we're going to be talking about. What we're uh, talking about this week is uh, we're just going to call it Advent, and then. Uh, hope as a political virtue. I'm not quite sure where this is going to lead us, but I've been having this sort of um, recurring thought for a little while now. Um, why do I want to think about hope as a political virtue and then the context of Advent as well? Because you're super into Obama. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, both blaming him for everything. Yep. Thanks, Obama. Yeah. And holding out the messianic hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk about this. I wanted us to talk about this because it seems that things are a tad dark mm. and that we're, in some ways, it seems we're heading into even darker places at times. Mm. So Dave and I, of course, are 
talking to you from Sydney at the moment in which the east coast of Australia is actually on fire mm. um, and we are living daily through this sort of smoke haze, mm. right? So Dave's pulling out his inhaler these days, mm. right? And, and you know, we've got friends like our, our friend here, Tim, who's doing the producing for us today. You know, they've got a newborn baby. They're stuck inside the room. You know, mm. you can't leave. Kate, who is... Uh, eight and something months pregnant at the moment. That's my wife. Um, you know, she as well can't go out to various places because the warning is to not if you mm. are pregnant and so on. Um, so this seems very dark. And in a context where our politicians don't particularly or seem to sort of blithely ignore it, um, lest they have to um, realize or come to any action in respect mm. of the climate. Um, we also see, though, there's, there's various things that are happening. So I think. Um, in different jurisdictions at the moment. We could talk about uh, increasing focus on just a pure sense of autonomy in relation to life and death issues. So New mm. Zealand is debating euthanasia, Western Australia, you know, and and I think you and I would take the view that this is deeply problematic. Mm. Um, so things like that, or, or even just reading my Twitter feed at the moment, which is a stupid thing to do, but reading it about the religious discrimination exposure draft that yep. Australia has at the moment and our debates around religious liberty and thinking how people are just appallingly, willfully um, spouting out misconceptions or untruths <laughs> about yep. this sort of stuff, right? Um, you know, and in the course of our podcast over this year, we've talked about disability, we've talked about mm. loneliness, We've talked about sacrifice zones. We've talked about consumerism. All these things that are real present real challenges culturally, politically, mm. socially, and so on. And then we've talked about within the church as well how you know there seems to be for a bunch of people in our I think generation especially a certain sense of disenchantment, right? Um, but then also recently we've seen in um, avenues of uh, venues of Christian media. We've seen some pretty ridiculous things. So mm. some giving platforms to um, articles that are not just poor arguments in themselves, but are just poorly written. And yep. then the the claim made in response that, um, well, we're an open venue that doesn't know platform people, you know, this sort of thing. And, and thinking this is just, you know, no conception of what does it mean to do Christian journalism. Um, we see with the Australian Christian lobby, we see sort of almost an increasing Trumpism mm. around there. You know, they have these videos that they do now, which they engage in kind of climate change denialism using biblical verses. And so, mm. um, you know, we see as well, I think sometimes um, really good things happening for um, encouraging women to take positions in leadership and positions, um, you know, of importance and to really encourage them in various vocations. And then you sort of get this harsh strike back mm. against this within very conservative uh, context in which um, it's sort of like the empire strikes back, right, to try and put women supposedly back in their place. You mm. know? And if you're a woman in a Christian setting like that, this obviously is incredibly exhausting. Mm. Um, what we also see then, though, at the same time, this desire for something different that mm. comes about. Um, and yet at the same time, maybe you know, things just keep on being the same, right? More of the same, you know, even to the point this week, if you're a Hillsonger, you would have had to be dealing with <laughs> the head of your church going to the White House and talking about how wonderful it is to be in the White House of Trump and how a strong America is needed for a safe world and mm -hmm. these kinds of things, right? Um, you know, in our podcast, we talk about challenging liberalism frames of um, focusing on personal autonomy 
in the context of both ethics and in the context of consumerism, you know, the idea that things are only valuable because people will them to be valuable and this, this generates more and more consumer goods um, and an assertion of will. And we see both this challenge to liberalism taking place, but also this doubling down that take place, mm. right? So these constant appeals to freedom and a kind of raw negative liberty sense, both in that end of life and um, beginning of life issues mm. that I mentioned before, but also in just pure consumerism or in the way people conceptualize religious liberty, for example. Um, so we get kind of this idea that liberalism becomes both exhausted, there's mm. challenges to it, but it's also becoming more decadent in yeah. ways. Um you know, so what we're trying to be doing in this podcast, I think, is talking about this challenge, right? A better way to talk about true human mm. ends. In our very second episode, we talked about how maybe we're trying to, we think of people we know in the church who are sort of kind of bored due to the passivity and lack of formation that takes place, or they're disconnected from any sense of the mystery or the great adventure that can take place within a prosaic church, or the church instrumentalizes their life. So we've talked about how in university spaces, so much of it could be just, you know, Christian life on universities. It might as well be a car park because it's just or solely concerned about bodies being there, right? So all these different things in which we think there's this disconnect, all the church that talks entirely to itself, right? Man's its own ramparts in a decadent way, signaling its own internal market. You know, we get this, but at the same time, we have these sort of, new roots, new roots taking mm. place or new signs of life or re regrowth or, um, you know, good things that are potentially taking place amidst some things that look quite despairing. Mm. So I'm not quite sure I'm, I'm, I'm capturing fully what the concern is, but I just wanted to pause and think, what does it, how do we characterize these times? Mm. What's going on? And then what is the potential for hope? Yeah. So my first question here, I mean, well, there's two questions for you. One is, what else has been causing despair lately, mm. potentially? And then how do you characterize these times? Mm. Are we dealing in the empire striking back hard, mm. right? Are there rays of light? Or do we just see this collective dramatic sigh taking yeah. place? Um, so, yeah, I th <laughs> it's it's a very interesting setting we're talking about this. You mentioned the the bushfires. Yeah, it's it's been a horrible couple of weeks. Like where Sydney has just been. Um, I went to Delhi a few years ago, um, and uh, the air might not be quite that bad, but that was that was the closest I ever came to experiencing what the atmosphere has been like in Sydney, as far as the, the sheer thickness of it that you can taste the taste the air. You need to cut it with a knife and fork, kind of thing, and that does lead to a kind of. I mean, my sinuses have been blocked and my respiratory system's cactus and um, and all that. And it does lead to a certain moroseness, mm. um, uh, both because of, I think, of the kind of physiological response to it, but also it seems to be a sign of things to come uh, based on, you know, what I'm reading about climate scientists talking about the future for our region of the world. Uh, yeah, this will become more and more normal. Well, it makes it, me think of the episode we did about... Um uh, what was it called? First Reformed. Yes. And whether to bring children into the world and so on. Like we're having one born on 2nd of January. Mm. And I keep thinking to myself, am I going to have a conversation with my children eventually that is saying, when they ask me, Daddy, do you remember the time before the smoke? Yeah. <laughs> um, or something like that, right? So, so yeah. Or that, before the heat, or before <laughs> the climactic changes or whatever right. it is. Yeah. And I mean, that that has been, that's the backdrop of kind of how I'm feeling about the world at the moment. But also, um, 
the, it connects with a lot of different issues. So, you know, I work in disability research and we've got a Royal Commission going on at the moment to disability services that is looking at abuse and neglect of people with disabilities. Uh, and I've been come, reading across a lot of the findings there and it's quite horrible. I was talking to a couple of representatives from the uh, Disability Royal Commission um, at an event that I, I was helping organise recently and there is just the level of abuse and neglect that goes on in our society without most people in, in the world knowing about it is atrocious. And so that's in, that's in the backdrop. Then you've got the life and death issues. Um, and then you've also got the fact that our eco, eco, ecological system seems to be puttering out. And so how do we how do we hope for the future around that? And then I connected all these things together. So a phrase, a throwaway, not really a throwaway line, but something that Harrowers um, uh, said, uh, says a lot of the times when I see him or listen to recordings of him, he says that if if the church in the fu- in two hundred years time or in well into the future can be known as this strange minority that doesn't kill its elderly and its disabled, then we're doing a good job. Mm. Um, and I do think about that because as resources become scarce, as as life becomes more precarious, it is those that are most vulnerable, those less likely to be able to have a voice, mm. the the people that are going to be sacrificed, mm. and and this. This um, rise of individualism um, and this desire to not be weighed down by our obligations towards the vulnerable in our life, I think is going to lead to a very dark place. So that's that's basically the backdrop of how I'm feeling at the moment. I'm feeling like we are heading into a hotter, dirtier, meaner, crueler world. Mm. I saw a meme. This is uh, a meme from a celebrity TV star about um, in, uh, a pro-choice meme and um, and the meme was from her saying that um, it's the landlord's decision, oh, not, yeah, not the that. tenant. What, that was, um, what's I her thought, name from? Um, yeah, from The Good Place. The Good Place, who I usually really like her. Yeah, and I thought, what do you think about property? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That you consider yourself a that, landlord. That, of but life. also that, no, but even yeah. just to think about the actual relationship between a landlord and a tenant. Yeah. You know, you you have clearly got a view that you are entitled to property and to use it however yep. you want as against yep. others. And I did see a few leftist um, pro choices making this point as well. Mm. That this um, this shows how a particular form of economics has colonized a particular type of feminism. leftist, yeah, yeah or feminism, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so, but then at the same time, so this is interesting what you're saying, the, because the re- one of the reasons this was banging around in my head is because I, I also feel that maybe there are these roots mm. or these shoots of um, of growth or these new signs of life and so on. Mm. Um, and then that happens. When that happens, you see this reaction and the empire striking back hard, right? Yeah. The Death Star gets blown up, but yep. the Death Star comes back. Yep. <laughs> that sort of stuff. So, so Tim, Tim, who's standing in for uh, Liam, <laughs> our usual producer, is currently <laughs> shaking his head ferociously. Because he thinks it's just all, it's too repetitive, man. That's the point. It's the point, Tim. It's the point. All right. So what I mean is, so for example, um, you know, we start having, so Australia, I sometimes think of, it's kind of like New Zealand in the 80s as a Mm. matter of race relations, where things started to take off for Mm. better in better ways. And you do see some good things happening in Australia. Mm. The fact that that there's even a a conversation now about constitutional recognition or Mm. the, um, the voice to parliament yep. is a massive Or, or a police shift. officer could be charged 
and convicted. Right, and this is at the same time as terrible yeah. things happening. Yeah. Or in churches, right? So our cathedral. No, I'm there. saying that, that the fact that a police officer is convicted is, yeah, right. is yeah, a sign yeah, of hope yeah. and then um, of, of a murderer. Right? Murder of a um, but person. you have at St. Andrew's Cathedral coming up, you have a service before Australia Day, a service of lament taking place and of truth telling. Yep. Yep. Now that's great. You know, that's a that's a fat that's a that's a shift. That's a clear shift. And yet at the same time, then you have the supposedly preeminent Christian media organization mm. in this country running a faux debate on acknowledgement in which you get these pretty awful articles, you know, just structurally poorly written mm. articles, you know. And then you have same with climate change sort mm. of thing. So actually people going, no, we have a genuine problem. Mm. The environment is the the our our actions are now leading to longer. Uh, bushfire seasons yeah. and so yeah. on, and more more dramatic and and we whatever. We just had a uh, uh, someone cross the party floor, right? Um, oh well, the New South Wales New Environment South Wales. Minister has said that this is clearly the case. Mm. Um, whether that's the position of the cabinet in New mm. South Wales or not, I don't know. But um, but 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 my point is, then this is people then start say, saying this and and seeing it. And then at the same time, you get some Christian organizations and mm. some, not even just Christian, but also politicians, of course, as well, mm. they double down yep. on the defense. Now, is this because things are, in that sense, there is almost like we're at an inflection point in which things may tip to people taking serious yeah. responsibility for our care for our common home, as Pope Francis put it, right? Yep. Or is it actually, no, 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 we're entering into further and further, deeper and deeper darkness? Yeah. Or is it both? Yeah. I, I think it's kind of both. I mean... I've been thinking about this a little bit lately, um, thinking about how angry people get at younger people for, um, I don't know, stuff to do with identity politics um, and activism and things like that. And, you know, partially you can kind of see, okay, there, there's a sense in which there is a bit of um, being obnoxious going on, maybe, who knows. But at the same time, I do t- tend to think that what is so threatening about the younger generation is that um, they tell us that the way that we were acting in the past wasn't inevitable and you could have been otherwise. And I think that's what's so challenging um, for people that are getting older kind of thing, that it, they they draw your attention to the fact that um, uh, being, racist, being racist, being homophobic, being misogynistic aren't inevitable, aren't parts of natures that are fixed into the human psyche that you can be otherwise and I think that's what those um those those outrages and even even in response to climate activism amongst young people I think that's what's so threatening about it is that I think it, it's almost um it's almost a bit of a sign of judgment on our own kind of apathy growing up and then even more so with um older generations uh and so it, I think there is a bit of self-protection going oh, on there more, yeah I mean in um, that context it's absolutely this so this brings us into... So, you know, when they say people are so sensitive these days, um, well, you know, maybe, but also maybe just uh, they are more apt to recognise the full humanity of, of people that we didn't in the past. Yeah, I think, and, and your point about... And so my point there is that I think the reason we strike back mm. is that we're trying to protect ourselves from self-examination, um, uh, uh, particularly around our our underlying belief that the way we were behaving was inevitable. So, okay, so this brings us into then talk of hope, right? Yep. So I've been reading a bit of Papa, Papa Rowan, mm-hmm. um, his book, um, Choose Life, um, his uh, Chris, Christmas and Easter sermons. Mm-hmm. And um, as always, you know, 
It's quite good. It's quite good. As in, yeah, he's like he's like the the one we'll always think, oh, why was he not you know kept on forever? Anyway, because um, he would have died. He would have died. <laughs> well, <laughs> freeze his brain. Um, so he has this one of his one of his um, sermons. He talks about you know the repetition in the in the Advent season mm. of don't be afraid. Yeah, um, and he points out the fear not right. And, he's, and he says that this is a recognition that what is taking place during Advent is, in fact, completely disruptive. Mm. You know, it's going to change the way our lives go. He has this passage which he says, um, if this makes us afraid, this is the coming of God in, the, in, in, in Christ, right? If this makes us afraid, he says, the Christian will say, that is because at some level we are afraid of ourselves, mm of what we really are and might be, mm. afraid of a destiny for human beings more glorious than we could imagine, afraid that we may have to change our lives unrecognizably in order to truly become ourselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so so it's almost that, that the the challenge, it's not, a, it's not just a challenge of kind of going, as a, in the way that I imagine a lot of um, uh, people from the tradition that I was formed in would have said that the, the challenge is identifying that you're so, so sinful um, and that you need God's love kind of thing. The challenge is actually the the glorious humanity that's installed awaiting for us, the, the vision of humanity that's being offered in the incarnation. And and offered to people who are broken. Yeah, that's right. Right? That this yeah. is So, you know, here's this great discussion of our um, Christ coming as the baby is both the fragility yeah. of it but also, yes, it is God's, affirmation of creation yeah it is god saying once again Mm. that god wants you to participate in his joy yeah which his joy is the created things he has created right and so it's an affirmation of the person and that we can be and so by coming in god into flesh it's the scandalous idea that we in our bodies can come to understand our true vocation as assumed into god into Mm. god's own life and purposes yeah you know and this is this is where hope comes in, right? Yeah. Is that actually something new can break in. Yeah, absolutely. Something transformative can take place. Yeah. But it's kind of hope in a um in a context of despair still. Yeah, that's right. Because the the advent story through to Christmas, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Right? What do we have? We have um child born to a teenage mother. Yeah. Sort of thing, unwed. Right? Unwed teenage mother. Yeah. They're born in a stable. Then there's persecution and fleeing, mm. and then there's growing up in obscurity. Yep. And then eventually we have um, death, abandonment, loneliness, abandonment, death, and then the new dawn. Yep. Right. And and it's kind of, you know, it's not the messianic movement of mm. the ultimate king who comes to take you know and yep. take power in that sort of way, but there is a breaking in of something new yep. amidst. Amidst sort of this despair, amidst, yeah. amidst this kind of brokenness. And- yeah, that's right. So I, I was reading um, uh, uh, Eagleton's work on optimism uh, lately. Uh, so he has um, he has a book called um, Hope Without Optimism, and he he says that optimism and hope are actually completely distinct phenomena. So optimism is a temperament um, that makes you kind of just by habit. Um, assume that everything's going to turn out okay, whereas hope is a um, decision of the will <laughs> to um, um, imagine a particular future and outcome and work towards that 
um, particular vision of the future. And so, and Eagleton actually thinks it's a uniquely human characteristic um, uh, that separates us from other animals, that we can imagine a different future and, and work towards it. And it needs, and, it, and actually optimism goes against it because optimism is just, it, it, it lacks a vision. Right. It's just a temperament. Things will just keep on ticking along yeah. and, for the, and work out for the good. Yeah, and optimism has actually a whole bunch of other political problems with it. Mm-hmm. And he actually points to America as being having optimism as a almost um, a state religion where it's, you cannot, um, believing that the, that the future is, 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 is bright and our best days are ahead of us. I mean, I think that's what Obama, mm-hmm. um, when he was getting elected, was, um, was cheered on saying that our best days are ahead of us. Um, that that kind of habitual way of thinking about it, that habitual mood, actually prevents you from doing some deep soul searching about uh, <laughs> whether there's some structural problems with the way you've organised society. Stephen Pinker's idea that, yes, we're always perpetually improving, yeah. things are always getting better. Um, and actually perhaps fear and despair are the beginning of hope. Mm. Maybe you need to have those felt emotional realities in so, order to actually have something for the vision of hopefulness to break into. But we'd have to go a step further than um, Eagleton. Almost without Eagleton, yeah. yeah. Because he's doing he's he's thinking of it when you say that he He's a Marxist. Yeah, and he thinks of hope as an act of the will. Yep. Um I mean we'd have to say that well we'd have to we'd have, we'd we'd have, I think mm. you disagree with me if you want, but you'd have to be affirming that mm. hope is the response to something that God has done. Yes, but it requires a imagination, right? It requires- oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. with so that. So when he's hey, saying one that One of my always- favourite passages from um, Jacques Maritain. So this is an interesting point because we get um, some feedback we have sometimes is that um, probably me, more, <laughs> I'm a little too sort of like, you know, we could, we could, we could change the system, we could do this, mm. we could do this, when actually politics is about compromise and it's about um, partisanship and mm. it's about, um, you know, second best outcomes and it's about um, mm. simply trying to allow some people to have their territory to get on with life, mm. you know, that faithful presence where we talked about with James Davison Hunter, mm. for example. And I love this passage from Jacques Maritain mm. where he says that every generation must imagine for itself a new Christendom. Right? Yeah. And he's saying that, he's saying Christendom in the sense of like, the vocation we have to fl- uh, for the flowering of people's dignity, the yep. flourishing of their yep. dignity, right? How do we imagine that in our time? Yep. You know, how do we imagine that people are a gift to us and see that operate in our lives, yep. right? So, and Rod Williams in these uh, sermons for Christmas, he talks about this as well: that our job, our vocation, has been revealed to us mm. in this person of God as Christ, right? Yep. That we are to be people of peace. That we are to be people who see the flowering of dignity and mm. others and so on. Um, so, you know, but that, I think, comes about not just as an act of our will, mm. we absolutely must imagine, but it also comes about because as a matter of faith, we affirm that hope is the things that we imagine because God has gone before us. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult though, isn't it? Because it's very difficult to imagine the future, um, particularly in this current situation. Right. I mean, we've seen civilizational collapse before, and the church has dealt with civilizational collapses before, um, but it's it's difficult to to just say, um, well, we need to reimagine a Christendom because I feel like the next thing we're preparing for is um, 
breakdown of society. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. So this is this is, and this is where I'm getting Batman. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So this is this is where I think. This, so your, even your point with Halras, yeah. right? If in 200 years we're only we're known as these people who yeah. do this. See, that's a declension narrative. That things are always going to be going down until eventually we're this obscure cult mm. again, right? And maybe, yeah. like, I don't think we're actually promised mm. that things won't get, you know, so this is the amazing thing with climate and environmental issues is mm. that you hear the number of Christians are saying, you know, God won't abandon his will and so on. And you think, you know, Byron, our friend, he, he said it to us, it's like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people said the same thing during the Black Plague. Yeah. <laughs> or, know, or just like the wars, total death. <laughs> the wars of religion where 50% of the population right. you of, know, that people of died. died. This happens and the world um, does continue, but yeah. we're not promised that everything's going to be yeah. sunny and breezy and so on, right? Yeah. But like your point there about, you know, we're going into this and yeah, I think this is a, maybe it is a bit of a difference between us it's come up a number of times this year I mean I've been really challenged each time you've raised the point that um, you can't systematize in Mm. the sense of you know you can't have some sort of top down narrative or things like that you can't just impose upon here's the way to do things because you allow for providence right that things like the Benedict option was not just Benedict sat down and thought how am I going to change Europe yeah that's right Um, but at the same time yes you're Batman in the sense that you don't think the rogues gallery will ever stop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? But, whereas, I, whereas I'm Superman. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, uh, you know, maybe actually we could take, maybe maybe actually the fact that we are made in God's image and that we are um, assumed into the life of God through yeah. Christ means that in fact we can be good. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's... <laughs> I mean like, but I, I don't mean think that, that excludes what I'm saying. Though, yeah, yeah. Because but I, I, I probably do mean it in a more you know, militantly transformed. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I suppose, yeah. So I, I, I guess what I'm, what I want to say is that it is entirely in keeping with um, this vision of hope, the, the, the Christian vision of hope, um, and also just being a, being a part of the church and being the church. Um, it's in, entirely in keeping with that to say, I do not think that my actions now, whether it is feeding the poor, whether it is fighting for um, reduction in carbon emissions, uh, environmental justice and and things like that, um, it's entirely in keeping with the the tradition to say, I don't think that my actions here will do anything necessarily, but nonetheless, because I'm commanded by God to do them, they are good to do nonetheless. And even beyond a commandment, these are good things to do and that just, and this is where I get a bit faithful presence, I suppose, just by doing these things faithfully, um, we can expect that God will be at work in unpredictable ways. Um, and I, I'm reminded of a, of a phrase that um, the journalist Chris Hedges always used. He says, um, I don't fight fascists because I think I can win. I fight fascists because they are fascists. Right. Um, that is to say um, the fight itself <laughs> is a good um, uh, even if I don't think that I can necessarily win. Yeah, see. Or or, or, or even if I don't think that the outlook for the world is particularly mm. bright. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I entire, I don't know if I'm in disagreement, but I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Right, so the, even, even on your point though, so um, I think the reason why you love Rowan Williams so much as well, mm. right, is because he's like the theologian of these tensions mm. between hope and despair. Mm. Uh, the sort of paradox that you entering into sort of a dark place yeah. is also the place where you find renewal and so on. Yeah. But he has this in these Christmas sermons, he says about how um, kind of what you're saying, that even amidst all this 
pain that can take place. There's mm. still these acts you're talking about. Uh, you know, they are Christmas acts in the sense that they're the stubborn, he calls it the stubborn insistence that there is another order, another reality at mm. work amidst moral and political chaos. Yep. The eternal logos, right? yeah. the harmonious relations that yeah. take place. But even there, that says that that has transformation. Yeah. It's not just I do it because I'm commanded, mm. which I'm not quite sure you were saying. No. But, you know, I, it has transformation. And I, and I do think, right, that it has been the case that historically it has been mm. transformative. Yes. This is not, we don't live in the Roman world. So even here, you know, he says, and has another fascinating passage where he talks about how, you know, there's nothing to stop us from going back to the um, the terrible practices of Rome. Yeah, that's I was right. talking to my father-in-law the other day. There's poets, Greek and Roman poets, who talked about how you shouldn't go walking and outside of the town in this part of town at this time of the day mm. because the animals are fat on all the on all the children. Yeah, right? They're being yeah. exposed and so on. Anyway. And uh, so that's fun. And um, and and he says, you know, there's nothing to say we won't, but we were we have something that's been introduced mm. into our mythos, into our narratives that that will always provide that kind of critical moment to say there is a problem here. Or Oliver O'Donovan says this, you know, we and it's and it's a it's whether it's true or not, that's the question, right? Yeah. Could we ever go back to um, uh, Beowulf, the virtues of Beowulf, or the virtues of Homer? Yep. Or is something of our vocation being revealed to us such that we could never fully return back to that sort of understanding? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on who the we is, right? <laughs> because anyway, that's probably opening up a too big a can of worms. Uh, but uh, should we wrap it up there? We've got two minutes. I've got like three more things I want to say. Well, just just time. give me just give me the bullet points. Give me the highlights. Uh, okay. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> so bullet points uh, would be, um, <laughs> um, I, I think, yeah, I think the what I was saying about Benedict not sitting down and predicting um, that he was somehow going to save European civilization uh, through his faithful. Um, witness and the, the inability to systematize. I think that's an incredibly important point. Um, and uh, what, like even more so, it's the fact that he was engaging in a particular type of character formation um, that itself became the model for for a type of life um, that is possible to leave even live even in the face of the most horrible adversity. And in, in particular, type of life where um, death is not the ultimate um, concern for you. That seems to be the redemptive hope of Christianity, a, a, a trust in the resurrection, um, so that because um, so much of so much of cruelty and barbarism stems from this fear of scarcity. That if I don't get what I have from you, um, I will die, and that is the worst thing that could ever happen. I think the Christian hope is actually the fact that I can die, and that's okay. <laughs> And that I would rather die than dehumanize you, um, or or eat or live off you. Um, I think somehow that that idea of the formation of a Christian character being at the center of the hope for a a, a future of civility that that needs to enter into it. So that's my big thought that yeah. I want to end on it. So basically, like the the virtue of the Christian is being okay with being killed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a bit like Augustine though, you know, with like with his sexcapades, it's a bit like kind of like, but not yet. 
Not in a cloud but, of smoky, it's not, it's smoky not a, what is it? 60, 60 cigarettes a day? Thank you. <laughs> That's right. But it's not, um, it's, not a, it's not a love of death. It's not a nihilism. It's, uh, it's actually an, a, a, an, an ability to embrace death because you believe that life is so abundant that, it, that ultimately death will do, defeat it. And it's a celebration of life that, 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 um, that the martyrs look to. Um, anyway, the darkness has not overcome it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there we go. We we wrapped it up in a <laughs> in a beautiful bow. Well, thanks so much for listening to our Eucatastrophe uh, Christmas special, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Life Day, maybe. Um, uh, thank you so much uh, for listening to us this year. I think we'll have one more episode. Yeah, we're going to have ends. one more and then we're maybe, if we can, we're going to maybe have a, a Rise of Skywalker. Special, very special, special episode. But we're going to have at least one more. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so we'll, we'll save our thank yous for then. Uh, please like us on Facebook. You can find us by searching for Eucatastrophe on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Eucat, that's E-U-C-A-T underscore podcast. Um, and please share us around and let your friends know about us. We're very, very lonely old men. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we'll see you next week as we um, get a bit um, confessional as Joel (laughs) laughs. I'll see you then. (laughs) 